Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. That music, man, that Lark cast music um, is a bit of a break for some of you who are just binging on Christmas music mm. right now. Hopefully, you know, hearing that sweet groove and hearing my voice, Russ's voice is a bit of a bit of a break from the Christmas melee, the mayhem, the hustle and the bustle. You get a chance to slow down here and uh, tune into the Lark duo. What's up, Russ? what's up dude i ain't gonna lie um i do listen to our podcast uh some people think that that's wise man that kind of helps you guys improve on things and uh (laughs) and then of course some people laugh at me they're like you listen to yourself and i'm like yeah i think uh like to kind of hear you know what we're actually saying versus you know hearing it while you're trying to share it but in addition to that if I'm being really honest, uh, big reason why I listen to it is just the music at the beginning. Yeah. And again, at the end, we should make I, it available. Just that, that MP3. We should make that available to everyone who likes to get down. People were mad when we switched over to the Lark cast and the new music. They like the, uh, they like the music from the slowdown podcast. A lot of people don't know this. We had 90 episodes. We did in a previous brand, previous podcast that we that we did, um, and then we switched, you know, over to Lark in April of this year. And um, some people they dig the new music for sure. But they're like, "Dang, dude! Like, I want that that astral step. Give me that old music back. That thing hit hard." Maybe we'll make a Christmas album with these two jams <laughs> <laughs> next year. That would be awesome. Yeah. So we have something pretty important, something that we're excited to dig into today. But I just thought that it would just serve our audience really, really well for you to share the story of your recent Uber ride. You had an Uber Mm. ride recently, one for the one for the books, one for the history books. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be an amiss on a podcast that's about 200 proof grace and finding the joy in what Jesus has done and not taking yourself too seriously to not have some moments of sharing some uh, some of those embarrassing some of those embarrassing stories. But yeah, uh, you know, we went to record last week. I went to my local spot, found a construction crew on site uh, doing a total like a remodel job. They've been working on some stuff for a while, but now they were like. They were all the way into the, you know, the office, dude. You know, I'm like, oh, maybe I can close the door, turn the AC on. You know, maybe we can make this work. And then when I walked in, I realized, oh, no, they took the doors off because somebody's painting them right now. So I was like, ah, damn it. OK, this ain't happening. We're not recording. Um, my Jeep's in the in the shop. My wife had dropped me off. So I got an Uber, man. I got to get out of here. I hop in his vehicle in the second I open the door, man dog hair everywhere oh dude the worst and i was like what 
come on, man, I got allergies. <laughs> you know, this is not my cup of you tea. Do. You do have allergies. So I'm like, all right, I got to get somewhere. So did I just hop in and, uh, I'm not, it's not that there's a dog that's ridden in the vehicle. The dog is in the vehicle <laughs> and it's sitting right behind me in this small little mini SUV. He's uh, breathing on my neck <laughs> and it's an abnormally warm season right now. I mean, Florida is always pretty warm, but the winters are fantastic. We normally yeah. get like 70, you know, this time of year, but for whatever reason it was up, dude, it was 86 out. And the guy's got the windows down and this dog's breathing on my neck. And he's like, man, it's getting a little warm. We'll roll these windows up. You know, I'm like, okay, turn the AC on. And bro, 30 seconds later, I start gagging. Cause for me, the worst smell in the world, bro, is dog poo. It just, I can't handle it, man. I'm like Vince Vaughn in four Christmases when he smells the throw up, dude, he just starts gagging like no tomorrow. And this dog just literally takes a shit, bro, right behind where I'm sitting. And there's nowhere to go, man. I've got 15 more minutes on this thing. Dude, what did the driver do? Did he did he acknowledge it or did he try to play it off like that one time we took an Uber ride when I was in Fort Myers, like right, right when COVID hit? It was like everyone was talking about it. And this dude was just like hacking a freaking lung. Remember that Uber <laughs> ride? That was pretty amazing. And he's like, "Oh, I, uh, I had a scratch in my, had a scratch in my throat or whatever." We're like, "Bro, you have co, you got the COVID, dude. We're about <laughs> to, that stuff we're, we're, hearing. <laughs> we're about to die." Yeah, he just, he just nonchalantly goes, "Yeah, that's my dog. I've been taking it everywhere with me lately." <laughs> that's literally all he said. Never mentioned another word. And he was an older guy, man. I, I, I just, I started to feel bad for him. So I just, just, you know, it is what it is, bro. Did you tip him? I did. did I gave him five stars. I, I gave him five stars for being friendly. <laughs> he wasn't, he was nice. But yeah, that's kind of those moments where like, your, your bad day goes worse. Yeah. And well, at least you did it. laugh. <clears throat> at least you didn't like, you know, give him the one star and write a nasty little note on his profile. That's good of you, yeah. man. Way to yeah. hey, way to be way to be Jesus to that dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. Be Jesus to your neighbor. Like no be, one ever just went. Hold, hold on a second. Um that what are we are we really putting this on people? <laughs> well, I knew we had to we had to tell that one before we get into uh, our topic today, which I'm pretty excited. I think it's a good one. Um, we are continuing in the Lark House is in your hands. And um, this is a really good question, a really good topic. And it came it came to us while we were on the Lark tour from a couple of people that don't know each other. I need to kind of like frame frame the question in a kind of like a broader context before we can, before I can just kind of say it. Um, and um, if this is, if this is you and this is how you're feeling, <clears throat> excuse me, this is you. And if this is how you're feeling, just know that you're, you're not alone. But I thought it was a great, great question. 
and uh, worthy of a, of a podcast. So it kind of goes something like this. I'm really loving the conversation on Velarcast. I've read Reclaim. Dude, I am rethinking so many different things. My heart is exploding out of my chest because of, because of God's love and God's grace. You've destroyed the bookkeeping God of my falling imagination. Thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for ruining right the my life and the God who I used to serve. Um, mm. Frustrating, but thankful for it. You've helped me see that I'm saved single-handedly, apart from anything I do and don't do, that it truly is finished, right? Um, that it that I'm not in partnership with Jesus as a cheerleader and a God as I make my way up this mountain to receive my gold medal of justification for a life lived as a faithful servant um, to him. You've helped me see my religious resume is what it is. It's that, that steamy pile of dog shite in the back of your Uber ride um, <laughs> that just makes you want to just throw up. Right. And everybody around you, I say shite. That's how they say it in Ireland. Your, your, your story was a precursor to this intro here. I, I, I didn't plan that, but you've helped me see my religious resume for what it is. It's just a big steamy pile of dog crap. You've challenged all my selfish motivations for being good, doing good. All my, everything that I thought was what counted in this thing that I could bank on, that I'm patting myself on the back, that I found security in, you ripped it right underneath my feet. You've literally helped me embrace my death, my dependence, and you've painted a picture of God through the words of Jesus in the parables, in reclaim of a God who is just awesome. And with tears flowing down my eyes and joy in my heart, even the pain of going through all that, man, I trust Jesus. I feels like for the first time in my life. And mm. I know that I'm just, I'm free. I'm free. I'm absolutely free. And then here's the question. Since that is the case. And because that is true. What do I do now? Mm. What do I now do? How do I live? I'm free. Now what? That's basically the question. How now do I live? It's generally how you hear it. I know I've heard it that, you know, phrased that way for, for years and years and years within the church world. And a lot of it was just referencing like, man, in light of what Jesus has done for me, how now do I live? How do I repay him? How do I live faithful to him? How do I show that I really believe this? Man, you, if you spend your life running down that road, of missing the gospel as the news of what Jesus has done and instead turn this into some like form of religion about what we do, you inevitably, right, start to wrestle with freedom. And I think the way you put it and how the question keeps showing up is good. And I know it's the same way you've asked it. It's the same way I ask it, you know, just to be clear, we're not like above anybody in any of this. I think ultimately the reason why the question continues to surface in light of all that you just shared, Okay, when you think about all the points, man, all the truths that were all made known through the parables of Jesus, all the things that we've unpacked, and then saying, man, I believe, but what do I do now? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. On one hand, I think it's a genuine question that, that, uh, that 
deserves a honest reflection. Okay. Response, reflective response, I guess you'd say. On the other hand, I've also found that the question sometimes stems from the fact that we actually don't believe everything we just said. Not that we're bad people or that Jesus doesn't love us. Or, you know, and I'm not saying that as much as I'm saying uh, there's still this thing in us that just doesn't know what to do with freedom, man. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not used to being free. I certainly don't blame people. I've gone through that. If you've grown up in the church, you've been told sure. what to do at every turn and how to do it and when to do it and where to do it. In fact, I remember one of the very first moments where I was kind of confronted with this like freedom and now how do you live is when you first posed the question to me in 2014, when you just asked, it was a simple question. Who do you love? Who do you love? And I'm going to tell you why that was very profound because it made me internalize um, who I really was as a leader, where I was in life, who was around me, and it put the onus on the the like the heart because love is from God. I don't manufacture that. I need to borrow that from Him. Love is from above. First John four, right? Right. And so, asking me who do I love. Is, is really asking this question, what is God doing in you? How is he living his life through you? Who do you love? And it just, it was profound because I was right in the midst of like, probably like my ninth year in professional by Christ, Christian ministry as a pastor. And we never would ask that question. We would, we would dictate schedule and plan because we felt responsible for everybody's sanctification and their obedience. So we would schedule and plan an expression of all these things for people and provide on ramps for them. And they were staff led church, you know, empowered Mm -hmm. dollars, opportunities that staff people were creating in the community or even just like locally in our thing. And we would tell people all the time who to love when to love, how to love, where to love, and in what way. Oh, hey, uh, we need someone to love uh, junior hires on Tuesdays uh, at <laughs> 630. Um, right. Sign-ups in the commons. Um, right. We need a group of people on Saturday to go love poor folks and all these other communities. We got uh, backpacks filled with school supplies, sign-ups in the commons. It's only going to be two hours at the most, right? Um yep. Hey, we need, right. Our facilities need to be loved. So we have a work day. (laughs) We have a work day scheduled. (laughs) And what we are doing is we are constantly, we were not asking that question. We were not pointing people back to God. We were, we were dictating all that. And I think being asked that is like, that's a whole new realm, dude. Because if you're used to that church conversation, you, you've, you've been told when, who, how, where, and all that. And being able to be, just embrace your freedom and say, yeah, like who, who am I? How mm-hmm. has God kind of wired me in my ministry identity, you know, reclaim chapter nine. 
who's around? Who do I think about? Who just do I have a burden for? Who do I want to just go be a friend to and love on? And being able to have the freedom to do that and then imagine ministry and friendship and being the church around that. It was just, it was a simple question, yet it was very profound. Yeah, man. And I know that was the case for you. And I've definitely seen, you know, the fruit of that as the Lord's worked. Amen. You know, and through your life and all that's, you know, taking shape, dude, just even where you live and the ministry that you guys are involved in. I've seen it happen in other people's lives. And just to be clear here is that it was just as profound when somebody first asked me. And I, I remember like really working through all the, you know, the programmed approach, man, to how we, you know, do ministry. And just to be clear, it's how we do everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. the church always gets lumped into this, like, like it's some separate, you know, camp. Um, and oftentimes because we try to put ourselves in a separate camp. But the reality is you can go into companies, you can go into social causes, you can look at right, all the different realms of government from local to state, right, to federal, you know, branches. You see it, you know, in the U.S., you see it around the world. Um, there's something about humanity that's in love with control. And so we're constantly, it seems like, um, whether we're voting for pastors or voting for politicians, right, we're always looking for policies and programs that will bring about our desired end. Right. So whatever this idea that we have of winning is, um, that's, that's what we're, that's what we're running after. And what I found in the church world is how to scale that and do that really well to multiply, right. Impact as what we were you know, taught to do. Yeah. And it wasn't until man, I was almost 15 years in the game, dude, before, uh, a friend of mine, Mark Bergen, literally looked at me and he goes, man, just out of curiosity, who do you love? Mm. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, it just seems like based off all that you've been, all that you've been learning about what it means to really be free. And now you don't have this list out here that you've got to go and complete. You don't have this God that you need to please. You don't have this day that you need to seize. And you know what I mean? All these things that we throw in there, you're not finding the breakthrough, whether it's personally or or programmatically, right, for our city. Dude, who do you love? Because mm. love's not, as you've already brought up, love's not from you. Yep. If you're walking in actual true love, not all the stuff that we throw out in the name of love, but what's actual love? First mm. Corinthians 13, bro, you read those few verses and there's no one on earth that does not pull back and go, yeah, that's, that's way beyond anything I've ever been able to pull off. Yeah. Well, that's love, man. It comes from him. So if you've got a genuine love for somebody or some people or a place or a tribe or a neighborhood or a school or, you know, whatever it might be, dude, that's from the Lord. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're free to go walk in it, man. Mm-hmm. I would say the less you think about it is probably the more evidence that this is actually from Jesus. <laughs> so Man, let's 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 die to this endless conversation of all the things in which we can go about making happen and how to make it happen and forcing it to happen and manufacturing it and then calling it love and change. It's not. Instead, let's do what Jesus said. Let's die to this whole myth of self, man, and whatever you uh, have a heart for, go do. Done. Yeah. So I think if that's you know if that's you. I think to just genuinely ask that question, who do I love? And that, Mm -hmm. and again, we're not used to being free. We don't know what, we don't know what to do. And so we're, we're panicking 
the inner winner constantly wants something to do. So it's a place of anxiety. It can feel like, right. It can, you can feel very, very unsettled. Um, I think that just points further to what you're saying that that anxiety, that unsettledness is, man, you really are bringing your old Adam through a season of detox. It's that, that anxiety, that fear is that old Adam experiencing death, that there's Mm -hmm. nothing left to do. Now, what do I do? And that's very, very uncomfortable. Don't be so quick to ease it, you know, get rid of it. The tension is the tension is good. And if it's of faith and it's going to draw you to him, it's going to draw you to him in, in independence, in trust. And when it comes to this idea of ministry and people, um, cause like, that's all we have left. Like, you know what I'm saying? The world is filled with people. God loves the Mm -hmm. world. The church is people and Jesus reconciled all things and he died for people. And so we should be framing ministry and doing around people. And it's going to be kind of cool to see as instead of, as we start listening to leaders and, and pastors who feel a responsibility to help people check boxes and just create like things out of nowhere, just because, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do an after school program. Let's do an ESL. Let's do a backpack thing. Let's do a, you know, let's do a big push for children's ministry or junior hires or high schoolers or, you know, whatever. Uh, if you're not, if, if you're honest, a lot of that stuff is pulling you away from your life where God's put you, the places mm-hmm. where you work, the circles you're in, all that. And so I think to ask that question, who do you love is, is really, really good. And two, I'll add to that. Um, remember when we did the parable of the talents? Yeah. We, we, we just barely touched on this towards the end, but I think in the, in the parable of the talents is this idea of the, the entrustedness, the, the, the resources that God is entrusting to people is really him just saying, I'm, I'm giving myself to you. I'm giving my love to you. I'm not sitting around thinking whether or not I should give myself to you or commit myself to you. He has. God has fully committed himself to this world in the life, death, and resurrection of his son. He's not like, eh, maybe I just give a little bit and then just kind of see how, what you do with it. And then <laughs> right. those who kind of do well, I'm going to give all of myself to you. No, he gives all of himself to the world, even in its unbelief and even in its sin. Right? That's what yeah, Paul already, already has. He literally already united has. himself to mm-hmm. the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So in the imagery of these resources, he's entrusted himself and given himself to these three. And he only asks that we trust his unwavering commitment to us and give it a go and give it a go. And the only punishable thing is the fearful distrust that buries money in the ground. So it can give back to him. Look, see, I didn't, I didn't waste. I didn't waste when the whole parable is saying, going back to, I think maybe the last podcast or two podcasts ago, waste, spend, risk go not so that but in light of in this freedom 
Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great point. And I think it's stories like that, right? These stories that Jesus tells about what God is really like and, and, you know, versus what we've often think or what we've been told God is really like that we start to see not just his, his character, but even his nature and how he's, how he's at work in the world. I mean, you look at that story and at, at the core of it is a lavish business owner who throws play money out into the cosmos and invites us all to invest like there's nothing to lose mm-hmm. because there is nothing to lose. And the only thing that he invites us to do is come play along, to take him at his word, to see what he's really like, to see what he's doing, to see, you know, I think there's something we miss in that story too, to see that he's not in need of you to do anything. Based off that story and his ability to invest the way he did in someone that he pretty much knows is going to blow it, right? As loser Larry, as we called him, did in that story, you, you realize like, oh man, like, like what we think is needed isn't needed. And what we think we're accomplishing, we're not accomplishing. Yeah. There's someone who is far greater than us, who's already fully at work in and through the resurrected Christ, man, that's united to humanity. And so he invites us to come invest and come spend and come give and come live and come love and right, come serve. Like there's nothing to lose. Yeah. And I think that's goes back to, man, once you know that you're free, how do you then go live in that freedom? Mm-hmm. And I think it's questions like, well, from a ministry standpoint, man, you know, living standpoint, who do you love? Sounds like a good place to go get involved. Well, what do I do there? Well, what's needed? <laughs> yeah. What, what do you, what do you want to do? Well, I, I, I really care about, you know, children who don't have a home and thinking about adopting some kids. Love it. Could do it. Yeah. Well, I just, I was thinking like, maybe, maybe spend like six months, man, and get, go through a study on it. And then, you know, and then fast for 40 days and, you know, which I'm not like knocking saying that you can't do these things, but again, it kind of goes back to like, well, you could do that. Um, or you could just take your freedom seriously. God seems to be somebody who's pretty passionate about kids without homes. I mean, adoption is literally at the core of the gospel, is it not? Yeah. yeah. You got a heart for those kids? Yeah. There might be a conversation with your spouse you need to have, you know, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a given. But I'm just saying like, they're, you're free. I think that's what we're trying to get at here. Right. You're free. And you wonder why, um, you know, because um, we, we need it to count. We need to bring something to the table. We need to, we need to feel as if we're pulling our kingdom weight. Dude, I saw some, some dude near me, one of these hype church dudes, you know, he recently tweeted churches aren't counted. They're weighed. <laughs> and dude, you, you will, you will get thousands of followers on Instagram saying stuff like that. It sounds it's 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 profound. You know what I'm saying? There's a sneaky little savvy little like Mm -hmm. it's it's cute and it feels wise and it's completely wrong. Yeah. Um, Well, the whole idea. What what is your kingdom impact? How much weight are you pulling? How much are you really, truly doing? Not the facade of numbers. 
right? How much are you truly, truly doing? Yeah. Well, if I existed independently of Jesus and at the end, all the weights and balances and measures were counted to determine my outcome, right? For eternity mm -hmm. and in life, then yeah, that absolutely sounds true. If I find myself immersed and hidden and united in Jesus, whose righteousness counts for mine, whose life yeah. counts for mine, whose faith counts for mine, whose death counts for mine, whose resurrection counts for mine. And I'm hidden. I'm lost, literally mm -hmm. hidden. Like I'm there, but it, I'm not significant to this whole deal. Yeah. Then that tweet is a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's very sneaky, kind of like the way, uh, you know, Jesus described the enemy, right? And the way he described Satan himself and how he goes about things. And it does sound really good and it is crafty and, you know, it does offer a sense of prominence and it offers a sense of security and offers a sense of even peace, right? Because you could really measure like what you're doing. Right. But then again, like you said, man, you go back to the scriptures, you're like, well, that's weird because we've been hidden. Literally, that's the word in Colossians, hidden in Christ. Galatians 2, I no longer live. The life I now live, I live in him. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus said that when it's of him, your right hand won't even know what your left hand's doing. When your right hand doesn't know what your left hand's doing, because you're just so caught up and walking in the freedom of what he's doing in the world. You know what the last thing you do is? Weigh something. <laughs> oh, and by the way, he said you could do nothing. Apart from him. Right. So the things that we are doing, they're ultimately just a work of him in and through us. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. So when you think about it, there is such a freedom and rest and peace that comes from letting go and walking and whatever he's doing and not needing to take credit for it, not mm -hmm. needing to find significance in it, not needing to post it, right? Not needing to weigh it, to measure it, to manage it, okay? To control yeah. it. You don't need right. to do any of this because all you're doing is walking in what he's doing. Yeah. But you can see not trusting that causes you to take a path of doing systems programs and efficiency um something tangible you can grab onto instead of a way For of sure. faith hope and love because i think faith hope and love is just like it's hard to weigh and measure your progress and significance in that because love like we talked about the last podcast it's willing to waste time it it's yeah. it doesn't exist in the realm of efficiency in getting things done Mm -hmm. you know? And so we talk a lot about love, right. As if it's kind of, it's just like a, like, um, like a heart culture we need to have as we go and do all this stuff, not an actual way of following yeah. him, you know, in the world, but he's given us a life of faith, hope, and love, not knowledge, law, and ministry performance or personal performance. Yeah. I think the way we have it written in uh, Reclaim 5, when you look at that life he's actually given us, the one that we see in 1 Corinthians 13, for these things abide, right, with you or without you, with your participation or without, um, this is what I've invited you into, faith. It's a, it's a life in what you can not see. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a life in him who you cannot see. And what do we do? Well, we want to turn it into something that we can measure and can see, something we can weigh. And I just think that's just, it's just human nature, man, right? That's at war with what the spirit of God has really invited us into. 
hope in someone somewhere to come. You know what I mean? Instead, we're like, no, nah, man, hope's all it's all caught up and bound up and right. It's it, it ebbs and flows with what we can see here and now. It's yeah. like, dude, that will, and the, that will rob you. That will kill you. That will do. <laughs> And the expectation, like we were talking pre-show, the expectation that if you're really trusting God, right, you would be seeing the spectacular. You'll be seeing these grand things. And it's this idea that like God is in the spectacular. He's in, he's in all this, like, you know, movement and breakthrough and all that, not the mundane and, you know, the everyday. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Your faith will be in him, but you can't see your hope will be in a place to come and love will always be messy. It will never be tidy. Um, Cause that's just what love is when it's, when I feel like when it's really like a love of, of the spirit that you're walking in, it's rarely ever something that you'll post about. And instead of saying that and people hearing that as like a condemnation, I think of it more personally as an invitation. Hmm. I don't hear anything that we're saying of what faith, hope, and love really is according to what the scriptures say as a condemnation to those that are twisting it to something else as much as we're throwing it out as an invitation to let go of the things that are robbing you of the very freedom you have. And if you're teaching, right, now robbing the freedom of others you know, robbing the, the, robbing the freedom others have. Hmm. Instead, I think we have this invitation to just let what he said be what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we so want to weigh our impact. We talk about things that are grand and massive. We also platform people who are doing massive things too. You know, like when was the last time you, like when we were pastors or when, you know, you were at a church, you just, you brought someone on stage who just like lived out first Thessalonians four eleven, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands and just celebrated mm-hmm. that. We're like, it's yeah. a missionary or it's someone making like massive social impact or it, you know what I'm saying? It's something like where we can say, look at like, we're attached to this like thing that's measurable and has impact, which dude, that's awesome. And if it's the, who do you love and you have the capacity as a person, you know what I'm saying? To really get behind a nonprofit, a business or whatever, dude, yes, go do that. What I'm saying is I think we're enamored, you know, with those things and we, in our hearts attach themselves to those things because of everything that we're talking about. But I love what Paul's saying is like, make it your ambition, your drive, right? Make it your ambition to just lead a quiet life. Mind your own biz and work with your hands. Yeah. The simple, the quiet, the ordinary, the mundane. um, That is definitely the life that we see Jesus, right? When God shows up in the flesh, that's the life he lives. And it's really quiet and more in mundane and ordinary. And then of course, you know, when his ministry kicks off, there's some, there's some miracles there, but then once everybody starts coming around for the miracles, he just, that's it done they're on out, dude. It's, it's, it's stories about what God is like that make everyone stop and scratch their head. And unless you're really hungry, you write him off and walk away. And he doesn't even apologize for it or try to make it clear. Mm. (laughs) It's it's just, 
<laughs> he knows it's like he knows what his death will accomplish. Hmm. And he knows that the only ones who will really embrace this, the only ones who will really let go, the only ones that will really hear the stories that he's sharing are those who are at the end of their virtuous rope. Hmm. It's there where you'll find the freedom of letting go hmm. and walking in the actual life that God created for you. And it might be being a faithful mechanic in a little neighborhood on the side of town that no one's heard of, right. who takes care of his elderly neighbor's lawn every week. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it might be a, it might be just a friendship, a six, seven, eight year friendship that he's invited you into, you know, yep. someone you love and just want to, you know, be there for and. Uh, when the opportunity arises to pass on, on good news, it could be a small community, man. It could be a big regional effort, you know, all the above, everything's, everything's there. The possibility you're free to just jump into, to all of it. I think the question is like, man, what is like, what is Jesus really doing in my life? Like, what is he, mm. as he lives his life through me, that Galatians two twenty, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life. I now live. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That life he's living through us, that vine dresser work, that vine, that vine work. You're literally free, man. Just say, man, who do I love? Like, what are you, where are you yeah. leading me? What are you doing, you know, in my life? And what you're saying is like, is touching on something else that I was thinking about too, in this conversation, because it's something he's doing, I'm free to receive and also be really grateful. Yeah. So, so since all of it is a work of him and he's simply mm -hmm. asking me to just come follow him or get caught up in what he's doing, also known as a life of faith, hope, and love, mm -hmm. um, I'm free to just receive and be grateful. And that I think is a lot different than control, make it happen and boasting about it mm. because like we, we 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 say it you say it more than me um life is something not to win at but to enjoy yep. and if you are constantly just trying to grip life and just clench it in your hands these good gifts he's put into our hands if you have an open hand right? That's saying, yes, these are from the Lord. This is my lot right now. This is what I got going on, all these good things. And then even the, the hard things too, right? I can receive that as from him, receive it. But if I try to close that thing and start dictating outcomes and start manipulating my, my situation and other people's situations to get it to go here or to get it to go, go there, that's, <laughs> that's not a life of faith. No, no, it's not. It, it seems to be the opposite. And I know, you know, somebody who, you know, was really prominent for me, for you, for others as well, is a, you know, a former theologian who, uh, you know, has passed away named Gerhard Furday. Um, a piece that he had put out on sanctification years ago, right, on this idea of the Christian life of change, of, of people grabbing on to freedom and therefore living free. Um, 
something that was really helpful to me, man, was that piece that he wrote on. And one of the things that he, that he brings up in there is exactly what you're talking about. He says that, uh, sorry, I have to re-say that. One of the things that he brought up in there is just that what you're sharing right now, man, like this whole idea of gratitude, mm. uh, you know, the Christian who is grasped by the, and I love this, by the totality of grace always discovers the miracle anew every day. Mm. One is always at a new beginning. Grace is new literally every day, like the manna in the wilderness. It can never be bottled or stored. What we need to realize, what we need to understand, he says, is that Christ carries the Christian totally. This is, this is our reality, man, because of what he's done. There's a reason so why really we call him the G. Free. <laughs> right, right. And then he goes on and he says, like, you know, so what is the result of this, man? Um, you know, like, where should it lead? You know, what, what, what do we, how do I now live, basically, he says, as someone who's free. And he, and I love just how he like sort of summarizes in, in a way a lot of what we've been talking about here. And he pulls it all together. And, and, and he says this, he says, where I expect that this leads to grab on to this, to this idea of, of grace new every day and the freedom of Jesus is to something of a reversal in our view of the Christian life. Instead of viewing ourselves as some kind of journey upward toward heaven, virtue and morality, our sanctification, our change, you could say, would be viewed more in terms of our journey back down to earth. Back down to earth, dude. Which, by the way, Christmas, incarnation, God becomes flesh. That's literally the whole story, man. Right. Back down to earth. The business of becoming human, he says the kind of creature that God actually made. He's trying to, he's not asking you to overcome your humanity. Instead, he's inviting us to learn what it means to just be human, mm -hmm. to be dependent, to be loved and to in that love. He said, the trouble that we have is that it is a long way back for us to get there. We must learn to trust God, to be grasped by the totality of his grace, to live in gratitude. Okay to become a creature who lives in dependence upon the creator to become human. Dude, I, and, and, it, and from what I could tell in his writings is people pressed him there. They're like, yeah, yeah, I agree. But you know, what does that look like? And he goes, all right, number one looks like spontaneity. Mm. What is truly good work? He says that qualifies as the fruit of sanctification of change in our lives. Well, guess what? It's one that is free, uncalculating, genuine, spontaneous. It would be like a mother who runs to pick up her child when it is hurt. There is no calculation. There's no wondering about progress, morality, or, view, or virtue. There is just the doing of it. And then it completely, I love this, and then it is completely forgotten. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, as Jesus said. Good works in God's eyes are quite likely to be all those things that we have forgotten. True sanctification, true living in the good news of Jesus. I love this. Is God's secret, he says. Dude, that mother illustration to me is like just so spot on. There's yeah. no calculation. There's no worry of progress. There's no drawing a map. There's no doing a study. There's no forming a program. There's just the rushing and grabbing a child out of the street to save its life that you love and care for. 
and then forgetting about it Mm -hmm. a minute later. Yeah. I like that secret thing too, because that really plays to the separation of the sheep and goats in the end Mm. where the sheep are really surprised that they did this ministry like to the hidden Jesus among the least lost, lost little and the, and the dead, you know, the hiddenness of, of God in the world, Mm. because dude, if we're counting on it and it's on the resume and if it's like on the thing that we think is counting, why are you grabbing onto that thing? Like, why do you need to keep the memory of it? Why then do you need that thing to really count? Unless you know you're not free and you need something to count. Yeah, it's, it makes me think about like what we even brought up in the last podcast when you had mentioned that there's a comfort in complexity. Yep. Right? There's a comfort in complexity. I think that's why we gravitate towards so many things that are so complex. And whether it's in life or health or right? Ministry, you know, theology, theology. whatever it is, yep. man. And, uh, and as I thought about that, man, in light of what you just shared, it's like, I think there's a comfort in complexity because there's no significance in simplicity. Mm. There's no significance. There's no status to gain in simplicity. I am not an essential worker in simplicity. <laughs> right. Right. It's so freeing. It's so freeing to those who have come to the end of their rope. Mm. But like the law, as Jesus says, so damning to those who are pretending that they got it together and they're going to make it happen with God's Mm. help. So really, I just think it just depends on where you are, man, to hear this, you know, that that this life in front of us is like you said, it's one of gratitude. It's one of spontaneity. It's one of taking care of the people in and around us without any of the fame or the fortune that will come with that. Mm-hmm. It's about vocation. You know, even as Faraday said, it's about vocation. We, he's, he called like the magnificent hot air balloon syndrome. That's what he calls like our love of, you know what I mean? This, these systems, you know, that we can, that we can measure of a church that gets mm-hmm. weighed, right. As you brought up. Sure. He's like, it's just constantly at war, man, with the simplicity of just the daily life of the passage that you brought up earlier about just, you know, going to work with your hands and taking care of your family or your neighbor. He said, uh, you know, like the, the, the daily life. And one of the illustrations that, that Ferday gave is students. I thought it was one of the best, it's like just simple illustrations, man. Students, for instance, he says, are sometimes very pious and idealistic about doing something. And they get so caught up in this or that movement for good. He says, it never seems to dawn on them that perhaps for the time being, at least, their calling from God above is simply to just be a student. You're free to just be a student. I think he's, he's just that good, man. And I think he works in and through the simple. And then just lastly, uh, which is a point again from Ferday, but it's just too good, man, not to bring up is when he mentions like just being truthfulness, you know, truthfulness, when he brings up truthfulness and lucidity, right? Yeah. You know, Romans 12, three, the apostle Paul says, we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Talk of progress and growth usually indulge. Uh, we usually indulge and in leads us all too often to do just that. But if we are truly saved and sanctified only by the unconditional grace of God at work, 
we ought to be able to become more truthful and lucid about the way things really are with us. Right. You don't have, you know, it's like someone in AA, man. Like the reason why they say they're so honest with each other and so helpful in that to each other is they don't have anything to lose because they're at a point in their life when they don't have anything to prove. Mm -hmm. They just get to be broken people in need of something beyond themselves named Jesus. And just learning how to lean on him together, man. That they're, they're, they don't, that they don't have, they don't think of themselves more highly than they ought, as Paul said. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like that Miller quote. If you want to be seen as a godly person at some point, you're going to have to, you know, get really, really good used to and efficient at lying. Mm. Yeah, it's a great point, man. And it's, it's so easy to confuse, uh, what, what it is that we're doing with what God is doing. Yep. It's, it's so, it's so easy to, you know, to to conflate our stories, to pretend that we're something that we're not to, to hide all the things that are embarrassing to project, right. To highlight the things that are good in our lives and to tell this story and, I mean, you could just go on and on and on and on and on. And I think it's just, it's true of every human, but one man, it's true of every human, but one, but the beauty of a life of faith and what Jesus has done. Okay. A, 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 the, the joy of, of believing that we're free because of a work of someone else. And then learning to live in that freedom, man, is we really do just get to be truthful. We really do get to just sit back sometimes and even laugh at ourselves. Yeah. And the things that, right. That we try to make so much of, you know, Ferdy said that uh, he said, when being pressed on his whole view of sanctification, he found himself going, man, am I making progress? Am I, am I doing better? I feel like I should be. He says, but if I'm really honest, it seems to me that the question is odd, even a little ridiculous. As I get older and death draws nearer, it doesn't seem to be getting any easier. He says, I get a little more impatient, a little more anxious about having perhaps missed what this life has to offer. I also get a little slower, harder to move, a little more this, a little more that. How about this? I'm just a little more set in my ways, I guess you could say. It seems, uh, he says, it seems more and more unjust to me that now that I have spent a good part of my life getting to the top, as they say, and just as I start to get there, and just as I start to feel like I made it, I'm already slowing down. I'm already on the way out. Am I making progress, you ask? Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it seems as though I sin less. He says, it seems as though I sin less, but that may only be because I'm tired. <laughs> it's just too more. hard. He said, it's just too hard to keep indulging the lust of my youth. Is that sanctification? Is that growth? He goes, I wouldn't think so. One should not expect (laughs) to mistake encroaching senility for sanctification. (laughs) So good. I think that, you know, the, the attention to the simplicity of vocation, the taking care of whatever's right in front of us, the spontaneity, man. Um, this is all the life of getting used to the fact that we're already home. 
we're just trying to learn how to live like this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So man, much more to, I'm, I'm really glad this, this, the question got, you know, brought up, which I think is the beauty of having this to be a dialogue, you know, with our community. So man, thank you to, to anyone who's, you know, asked the question, just wrestled out loud with where they're at and, and, and all of it. Um, I think these are, this is, you're seeing how cool this can, this can be a, a broad conversation. We keep learning. Um, yep. we're doing that together. So yeah, good stuff. There's more here. Like I got stuff in my notes that I didn't get to. I'm sure you got some in yours. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like this is just going to keep being a conversation, dude. Yeah, no, totally. Right. We, yep. We're, and we said it at the beginning, we're not used to being free. When you finally work through what Jesus really said and did, and you start to grab onto it and it's unadulterated, right? Version, man, you find a God that really did set us free and learning how to live into that. Something that we are not used to, I think is something we're going to, we're going to wrestle with man till the day we leave this, till the day we leave this earth. Yep. So there's a lot more to, you know, to talk about in all this. I think we, my point, I guess I'm making is I think we will as we keep going, mm-hmm. but hopefully this will at least get you started. I will say this. People are going to want to get their hands on that, that fur day piece that you're reading from. You might want to yeah. look through on how to get that, get that, how to out. get that out. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, bro. Until next, Until next time. time. Cheers. Cheers.